0: Hello, my loves. It's Rain here for your weekly wellness podcast, sharing psychology theories and my own personal experiences to help you create the beautiful life you deserve to have. Welcome back to Let It Rain. I hope you are all doing well. And I'm kind of excited, kind of nervous to get into this episode. I will be opening up a little bit more, it'll be a little more personal, but it is about letting go and moving on. Before I get into it though, I'll do my little prompts at the beginning. So something new that I learned this week is that rosemary oil is very good for hair growth and for dryness, so... I think if you have dandruff, um, it helps with scalp dryness. I've been trying to use it this week and it smells so good. I really enjoy the smell, but we'll see if it actually does what it says it does. So, something that I want to work on is not going on my phone in the morning. I think that's really important to start off your morning with yourself. I recently watched a TikTok um, about giving your attention and intention to yourself in the morning, setting yourself in reality instead of social media, because once you go onto your phone, then you are giving your attention to something else, someone else, social media, these people that you don't know, and these aspects of life that... Are glamorized and romanticized that sometimes make us feel bad about our lives. And why would you want to start your morning off feeling bad about your life or yourself or not being in your own reality that you create for yourself? So I definitely want to try doing that. It's very difficult for me just because I wake up so early. I wake up at five or six in the morning and I find the blue light definitely helps wake me up. But I also think that I owe it to myself to take that time in the morning for myself and giving what is so important, which is my attention towards myself. So I will be trying that in the next week. We will see if I'm successful. But I think it will really benefit me and set me up for a good day. Something I am proud of doing is reading consistently every day. It has been quite difficult because of how busy I am. So prioritizing reading is becoming a hardship. But actually, I've been getting two to three chapters read each day. So I'm almost on my book. I'm reading Vanity Fair by Thackeray. I like it so far. It's not a terrible read. Um, I find that it's, it's not my favorite of the classics. I would have to go with either maybe Great Expectations was good I also liked Anna Karenina, but that one, that took me five, six months to finish. That was a hard read, but I still have to watch the movie. It was a good book, though. So a recommendation that I have for this week is a little more abstract. I would like you to challenge yourself, whether it is reading a more difficult book or pushing yourself to run once more every week or Anything that will help you grow a little bit each day. Uh, I think it was in the Atomic Habits where he said, just try to do 1% better each day. If you do 1% better, that accumulation over time will make such a huge difference. And 1% doesn't seem like a lot. If you do quite a bit more each day, I find it difficult to do that 1% because you always want to do more. But if you do that, then you're going to get burnt out and you then that 1% is going to seem like this huge feat. So try to do just that 1% and I, I know it will make a difference over time. It definitely compounds. And I have been trying to challenge myself. I find lately I have been getting a little too comfortable with my routine. That sounds terrible. Everyone (laughs) says that you have to be, you have to be bored to be successful because successful people have routines. They do the same thing every single day and that's how they become successful. And I get that, but I find that if I do the same thing each day, how am I growing? How am I learning and becoming a better person? that's where that 1% comes in. So I have those routines, but I still need to challenge myself and still need to push myself and grow and get comfortable being uncomfortable. That is a huge thing for me is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's the only way I find I can have personal ve- development and to grow as a person. I think that goes for most everyone, but I don't want to speak for you, but I find that will achieve greatness. That will Get you to where you want to be. And also, life is all about being uncomfortable, (laughs) which I know sounds bad, but life is always going to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable things happen. You are not in control of uncomfortable things happening. You are in control of putting yourself in uncomfortable situations in preparation for things to happen to you and being comfortable with that. That way, you can set yourself up to be in a good, resilient, position to act and respond well in situations that are presented to you. So I know that goes pretty deep, but that is something I'm very passionate about and have been trying to do a lot of the time. I will, so volunteering, I do quite a bit of volunteering. It is uncomfortable to start something new. It's uncomfortable to do the whole process to get out there, especially after COVID with all this social anxiety that has been cultivated and and, um, has kind of risen up since lockdowns and isolations and all that. So for me, doing new things, going to new places, driving new places, it's very uncomfortable. But I do it because I have to get comfortable doing uncomfortable things. It'll let me grow. It will teach me new things. I'll learn. It's all around just really good to do. And I don't... I'm not saying go ahead and do something uncomfortable all the time to grow. It's just little things here and there, just like that 1%. You don't have to do it every single day cuz then then you'll just be anxious all the time because you'll think, "Oh, I have to do something that's anxiety-provoking every single day." It's not like that, just 1%, just a little bit. So I guess we'll go into the episode now, and I will start off with a bit of context. For myself, I have gone through two breakups this year. That's a lot of breakups in a, what, six, seven month time period? But I have learned a lot about myself after those breakups. So I have been dealing with a lot of trying to let go, trying to move on, trying to find ways that will make the process go by quicker and easier. It does help in some regard, but not in a timely manner, if that makes sense. I think it eases the pain of remembering, but it doesn't shorten the time that it takes to move on. I'll explain that in in deeper detail a bit later. First, I will talk about the attachment styles. Just because I find in relationships or friendships, depending on your situation, we act in certain ways according to our attachment styles. I know that in in school I learned that attachment styles that manifest in relationships as an adult are rooted in the attachment style that you had with your parents as a kid. I don't know if that's true for everyone, but it does make sense and it does showcase itself in many different situations. Like I, I know with my friends and myself, I find that the way I acted as a kid with my attachment style, it definitely is paralleled as an adult. So there's four types, anxious, avoidant, disorganized, and secure. The anxious one is when you negatively view yourself, but you positively view other people. So you put them on a pedestal and you are self-critical. In those cases, people often feel unworthy and like they can't be loved they they fear abandonment while avoidant is the opposite of that so you positively view yourself thinking oh i can count on myself but you negatively view others so you can't count on other people you have trouble trusting them you're very independent you avoid intimacy closeness you kind of withdraw from relationships and then disorganized is kind of an oscillation between anxious and avoidant and that can come across as ambiguous. So you struggle to trust others, but you still want that closeness. And it's kind of that back and forth, which makes it difficult for yourself and for your partner. And then there's the secure attachment style where you are comfortable communicating your feelings and you are honest with the other person and close with them and want to be close with them. That is ultimately. The goal of having attachment style, but the three first insecure attachment styles can be concerning if they interfere with your daily life and relationships. If it's something that you can manage, or that you can recognize and say, "Hey, what I'm doing, my behavior there is because of you know childhood trauma," or or that is something I shouldn't be doing, even though I am doing it, maybe I should voice it, kind of overcome that fear and. Vocalize why you're doing what you're doing, but if it if it does affect your relationships and and daily life, I would recommend reaching out to a professional or someone you trust to confide to and talk things through with. I find oftentimes we bottle things up and keep our thoughts inside, which kind of distorts them, and the more you think about them, the deeper the hole you dig in your mind until your thinking is no longer rational or logical. So if you say it out loud and hear yourself and hear others' perspectives, kind of allows you not to have your thoughts run wild. You can kind of corral them. You gain insight and be able to control them. It's kind of the same thing with intrusive thoughts, actually, because with intrusive thoughts, what I recommend doing with intrusive thoughts is recognizing them, saying, hey, that's an intrusive thought, that's not my thought, and then discarding it that's how you should view your thoughts when you are in relationships. So, if you're having a thought, a lot of times our thoughts are are stemming from something else. And if you can recognize where it's stemming from, that's great. But if you can't, but you know that's not that's not right, that's not your thought, cuz a lot of our thoughts come from society or our family members or our friends or our partners. It comes from all places and and situations in our lives and we internalize those ideas and kind of masquerade them or disguise them as our own thoughts but you can tell if it's not your thought because there's a lot of tension there's a lot of uncomfortability around that thought and in that case I would hear that thought and say hey that doesn't feel right that doesn't feel like my thought and then say you know what that's not my thought and get rid of it. If you realize that that's not your thought, then it can no longer influence how you act because the way you act and your behaviors are contingent on your thoughts, what you're thinking. Not all the time, but some of the time. I find that if you want to control your thoughts a bit more, I would recommend journaling. There are so many ways you can journal. There is lists. You can list off the good things they did, the bad things they did. You can list off your non-negotiables for future relationships, or you can take a prompt. You can say, you can write out, why do I feel tied to this person? Why am I struggling to move on and let go of this person? Or even, what is the feeling I get when I think about that person and with moving on and letting go from them? Where is that emotion? What is that emotion? Where's the resistance? Just kind of recognizing where these feelings are located in you. You can have those prompts or you can just word vomit. You can just write out everything on your mind and get it out all on paper. I find that I realize big things when I'm able to reflect and come at my thoughts a little more logically because journaling helps organize and navigate your thoughts. It forces you to and lets you physically see them to realize things. Because if you just think it in your head, I find that at least for me, my thoughts can race. They can jump from this to that to this. There's no logical sequence of my thoughts. So if I write it down, it forces me to have that logical sequence and then I can reflect on what I'm thinking about and writing about and realize things that I wouldn't have otherwise if I had just let my thoughts go crazy in my head. I was talking with a friend the other day about someone in my past, one of my exes, and I said, why do I feel so tied to this person, so connected with them If they're not supposed to be in my life, if it was supposed to end, why do I still feel so connected after this much time? And she said that she heard something about unique pairings where there's something about that person that is unique, a unique pair of traits that I feel like I'm going to miss out on. I feel like I'm not going to get elsewhere because it's unique. It's rare. It's something I don't commonly see. But just because I don't commonly see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist in other people. And even if it doesn't exist in other people, there are other pairings that do and that will intrigue me. But how am I supposed to know if it's not there? It's one of the errors of thinking as humans where we don't recognize things that we haven't seen or that aren't at the forefront of our mind. So I, after journaling, I did realize that that is part of the issue. I'm just going to give an example, not in my case, but say someone has really high intellect and is very witty with their humor, but also is very goofy or very adventurous or very moody. Something about that unique pairing that you were drawn to and that's why you feel so connected to them and losing that and let, trying to let go from that, it's hard to let go of something you don't know if you'll see again, right? So I think that was one of my issues that I found. Another one was reminiscing, especially because a lot of things remind me of him. So I caught myself reminiscing a lot on all the good memories, which is great. I want him to see me in a good light And I want to see him in a good light. That's how I want all relationships to end. It doesn't always, but in my case, I wouldn't want anyone to have any ill will towards me or vice versa. And so I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to dwell on the bad things that happened to the relationship, but I can't let the good memories negate them because they did happen. There were issues and I can't write them off just because now all I have is rose colored glasses and all I'm thinking about is the good memories and how they made me feel and, and how I'm making myself feel about them. And that's another thing. It can feel good in the moment, but there's something about reminiscing about something that's gone. For some reason, the fact that it's sad and almost bittersweet, it is a stronger emotion than possibly the emotion that I had during that moment in that memory. So I I wish I could kind of envelop all these good memories and relive them, but that's, I guess that's the beauty of memories, right? It's what you take with you. That's why you should live in the present is because at the end of the day, at the end of your life, all you're left with is your memories. You have tangible things, sure, but what good are they? It's the memories that really impact you, and make life worth living. I don't think I should reminisce in a way or I feel longing towards that person. I think I should reminisce in that, wow, I experienced that. That was great. I fell in love. That's an amazing feeling. It is better to have loved and lost than have not loved at all. For a long time, I thought that statement was terrible. I thought, man, it would have been nice not to love someone because before I loved them, I was fine. I didn't have these feelings and I didn't have low moments like this, but I'm growing as a person. I am learning things about myself. I learned that I could love someone like that. That's pretty cool, hey? So I think that I need to take all my experiences and my relationships as a learning experience take it in a positive way. I'd like to say that I have moved on and have let go. Of course, there's low moments. We all have our moments where, you know, we have our high moments where we feel perfectly content and happy and are glad to be single and alone and doing the things that you are passionate about and love to do. And then there's moments where you feel like you need to be around this person and that you miss them terribly. But the healing process isn't linear. You're going to have the ups and downs. And if you have a low point, it doesn't mean that you haven't moved on or let go of that person. It just means that you have feelings, you have emotions, and sometimes you miss people. That doesn't mean that you haven't made progress in your, your healing and you're moving on. Please don't beat yourself down just because you have that low moment. That doesn't negate the whole process that you've made up to that point. So I know these techniques and tips are not going to speed up the healing journey, but I do know that they helped me think of things more objectively and and logically so that when I got to those low moments, I had that kind of tool in my back pocket to help me view it in a different way. Even though it didn't speed up the process, it definitely made it less painful because <laughs> moving on and letting go is not an easy thing to do. and I wish you all luck on your healing process, because I know it's not easy, but you'll will, you will reach a point where you think, wow, I went through all of that. Look at how strong I am. So that will be the end of the episode this week. I hope you have an amazing day, and I will be back next week. Please write a review and write some comments so I can see what other topics you'd like me to discuss. Just let me know what you'd like to hear. Thank you. Bye.